Carrie, would you pray for our time in the Word? Heavenly Father, God, we just count it as a privilege and an honor to be able to come together, united, Father, as uh, fellowship, God, and as believers are united together all around the world today, God. We just uh, do lift up the persecuted church, Father. I pray that you would protect them by the power of your name, Father, that the gospel would go forth all across this planet today and that people would submit themselves to you. God, I just uh, just intercede on behalf of our time today, Father. I pray that your word would go forth. I pray that you would strengthen your servant, God. I pray that it would fall on good soil. I pray against distractions in the name of Jesus, Lord. I pray that we would stay focused, God, and that we would be so receptive and that we would be obedient to you, Father, that we would humble ourselves before you, God. And I just thank you just for the, the avenue of song, Father, and to be able to have your word sung over us, God, and that your, our, our worship, Father, would be received by you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. And one more prayer. Can you pray for the Orlando Union Rescue Mission and their needs? Yes. Father, I thank you, God, that this is one of the only faith-based homeless um, organizations, Father, in this city, God. And I pray as we support them today, Father, um, with bringing uh, just this specific need of diapers and wipes, God, I just pray in the name of Jesus that, uh, Father, whoever would receive these, God, would just know just an extra measure of the knowledge of who you are, Lord. I pray for those that are bringing the gospel to these individuals, Father. I pray that um, many would come to know you. I pray as families come together, God, and as children are there and their parents and their getting on their feet, Lord. I pray that you would bless them indeed, God. I pray against any hindrance that would come, Lord. I pray for those that work there, Lord, that you would bless them, that you would strengthen them, God. I pray that their light would continue to shine, God, and that this place is a reflection of you and a beacon of hope for so many who just uh, don't have any hope otherwise, Father. So I just thank you that it's a shelter in the storm for many, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
the name truly above every other name, the name high and exalted, the name with all power and authority over sickness, darkness, disease, over yeah. standing open in heaven and I heard a voice like a trumpet saying come up here and I will show you things and immediately I was in the spirit and behold a throne set in heaven One sat on the throne. And he who sat there, he was shining like Jasper. He was burning like Sardius. And an emerald rainbow surrounded him. And around the throne, Twenty-four thrones, and on them sat elders. They were robed with robes of white, crowned with crowns of gold. They were sitting, and robed, and throned. And from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices. Before the throne, there was a sea of glass. Seven lamps of fire burning before the throne of God, which are the seven spirits of God. 
and around the throne and in the midst of the throne were four four living creatures having eyes around and within and they do not rest day or night saying holy 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 they do not rest saying holy these burning creatures surrounding the throne they've been in the same room with the same person singing the same word forever they've never gotten used to it I believe there's a prophetic call to the church in this hour there's a holy invitation being given in this hour come up here come up here come up and come come up come out come up and come in come out of bondage come out of religion come out of other narratives and come to the throne room church it's the hour for divine perspective it's the hour to get connected with the unshakable kingdom the unshakable throne that's above every throne that's above every power and there's one on the throne Abba! 
Father, how I pray that that would be our prayer, Lord. God, that you would have it all. Father, this new life that is in Christ is not a life that's continued to be lived in the flesh, in and of ourselves. God, if we're truly in Christ, Father, we've been born again of the Spirit. This new life, Father, is a life dependent upon the Holy Spirit in whom you've given us. God in us. To accomplish your will and your purpose, Father. Pray, God, that as we just reflect upon this truth, Father, that the call of a disciple is to deny ourselves, to pick up the cross, and to follow you. God, to truly see you for who you are. How can we truly see you for who you are and and continue, Lord God, to remain an enemy of yours? Father, we name your name, but God, we, we make your blood so common. We continue to act as if we're God. And you're there to serve us. No, God, that's that's not the correct order. You're God. Father, we're here to serve you. To be about our Father's business if we're truly in Christ. Awaken your bride today, oh God. Awake us from our slumber. Yes, Lord from our addictions, from our insecurities, from our past, from our needs and our wants, for remaining rebellious towards you. God, we're doing things that you never called us to do. But for whatever provoked us, God, we've made decisions. We've, we chose this and that. Do we not see it, that that's what's lording over us? Father, I pray that you would just come and have your way among us. I pray, God, for conviction. Yes, Lord, I pray ultimately, God, if there's any of us, God, who are not in Christ today, Lord, that today would be the day of salvation, that the veil would be removed, Father, from their eyes, that their ears would be open to hear, God, mm-hmm. your word, your truth, your voice, calling them unto Christ. For Father, you are pleased to reveal yourself to us through your Son, Jesus, that we may be restored back to you, to be at peace with God, our Creator, through Jesus. He's the only way. So Father, come and have your way. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Application. Sustained effort. Hard work. Again, it's from the root word, apply. Apply to give one's full attention to a task to work hard. And as we've heard, 
Applying the Bible is the duty of all Christians. If we don't apply it, the Bible becomes nothing more to us than a normal book, an impractical collection of old manuscripts. That is why Paul says, Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. When we apply the Bible, God himself will be with us. The degree to which we study, memorize, and meditate on God's word is a degree to which we will understand how it applies to our lives. But understanding how the word applies is not enough. We must actually apply it. Application implies action. And obedient action is the final step in causing God's word to come to life in our lives. The application of Scripture enforces and further enlightens our study, and it also serves to sharpen our discernment, helping us to better distinguish between good and evil. Oh, that we are maturing and growing in our discernment is sharpened to know the difference between good and evil. And you say, well, I know the difference between good and evil, but really, do we? Do we truly grasp the understanding good and evil? Especially in the day in which we're living, where the level of deception is rising up among the earth, or upon the earth, and that which looks good presents itself as good is actually evil. And it's leading many astray. It's, it's leading many to continue to be bound to themselves, to their desires, to their, to their needs, and to their wants. It's good for me, isn't it? Oh, but the reality is no. It's evil. It's deception. The level of warfare that is rising up upon the earth. Against truth. Against that which is good. It's intensifying at a greater level and it will continue until Christ returns. And so the church is to be sharpening her discernment via the Holy Spirit as we apply the truth of God's word. If we're saying we're a Christian, this is truth. This is the foundation. And not just pick and choose, but it's from beginning to the end. It's the whole counsel of God. It's the living word of God. And all that we need to know about our new identity is in here. And yet, do you hunger for it? Do you, do you have a greater sense of a thirst for righteousness, for His name's sake? Are we truly seeking Jesus? Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Not just a concept, not just a religion, but God Himself. God is pleased to reveal himself to us through Jesus that we might live and not die. That we would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. 
that we would walk upright amongst a wicked and perverse generation. Again, the level of warfare that's taking place. You can't make this up any longer, and I keep saying that to us. I've been just been crying out this week. It's just been a really just weird week. Just crying out to God, like Jesus. I mean, what's happening all around? The earth. Like everything is being shaken. The level of murder, the level of, of the just anger. The level of perversion, everything is just rising up. And when I think about what the youth is going through, the confusion that they're in, the enslavement that they're in, and I go, God. But God, you're on the throne. God, you're on the throne. Like all of this is happening. None of this is taking you by surprise. You're on the throne. <laughs> and Jesus, you're returning. And you're returning for your bride. You're, you're returning for your people. Mm-hmm. Like there's an all-out war for the hearts and the very souls of men and women and children upon this earth. Oh, good. Church. God help us. God help us to, to awaken to the reality of the hour. Like that we would that we would be gripped and know the day in which we're living. That we were purposed to live. Yeah. To be his hands and his feet, to stand and to be that standard of righteousness that is raised up for our families, for our, our workplaces, for our communities. That we're to be a different people, a strange people, because we don't belong to this world. We're not clinging to this world. We're not. We're not clinging for the temporalness of life. No, our eyes have been open. Now we're to be pursuing Him and Him alone. Pursuing Him and Him alone and applying truth, living it out, understanding, gaining more wisdom and understanding. And knowing that God, if we're truly a Christian, that God himself is in us. Like we are the temple now. God in us, via the Holy Spirit, to empower us to live a righteous, holy life. Go to James chapter 1. James 1, verse 22 through 25. Scriptures, I pray, would encourage you to continue to persevere. We are now in the fifth month, if I'm, I believe I'm correct. December is coming. 
Another year will be passing. God help us that each of us will see that and not die before then. But James chapter 1, verse 22 through 25. So for five months now, we've heard these scriptures. We've heard this understanding of application. But how are we doing? Are you really seeking God? To really apply truth. It's, a, it's not going to come natural. If we think it's going to come natural, we are in error and we're still blind. The Christian faith does not come natural to us. Remember, our old nature is a nature that is at war with his throne. We are his enemy. We were all born in that nature. And so don't expect your natural instinct to gravitate towards him or to even apply any truth. Your natural instinct would like you to t- pick and choose what you like and then just stamp yourself, I'm a Christian. And you're really not a Christian. You're still his enemy. And I keep encouraging us, he can't be your God until you see yourself as his enemy. Because until you see yourself as his enemy, you are not going to understand the mercy and the grace that has been bestowed upon you and this great salvation that has been paid for you. The price has been paid through his son that you would be redeemed and reconciled back to God. And now you're of a new nature. You've been born again. And just as you grew in the old, you have to grow in the new. If there's no growth, all you have is death. But we're to be growing. We're to be seeking. We're to be asking. We're to be knocking. And we're not doing it in and of our own strength. But again, we're hearing these words over and over and over, but are they impacting our hearts? We're saying, God, we're done with the temporal. God, it's time to pursue the eternal. The clock is speeding up. His return is near. It could be 100 years from now, but time is speeding up. James chapter 1, verse 22 through 25. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law... Listen to that. That sets you free. And if you do what it says, you don't, you won't, I'm sorry, and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. To be a doer of the word, you all. And then again, I keep encouraging, this is your mirror, the whole council. This is who you are now. This is how you're to be living now. Not half-heartedly. Not an in today, but I'm out tomorrow. Or an in when it's convenient for me. 
I'm like, I was thinking throughout this week, just the things that I've had to deal with and pray through. And I'm like, God, we, there's some selfish Christians. And I don't even like to call them Christians. But they think they're Christians, but they're so selfish. They are takers, 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 takers of your time, <laughs> takers of your resources. They just take, 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 and take. And they have no depth of Christ in them. They're not contributing. Just do for me, do for me, do for me, do for me. And I go, God. Like the disrespect that we do to him. And I go, Jesus. I mean, there's people thinking, and Scripture warns us, and Scripture tells us, like, like have a good self-assessment. Make sure you truly are standing. And don't be deceived into thinking you have and you don't have. See, I keep encouraging us because the Word of God encourages us that you know. How do I know then? How do I know then that I'm saved? Is there fruit in your life? Is obedience coming forth from your life? Are you getting through the trials? Is your character being formed? Is hope being established? Are you not settling any longer? Are you looking up? And there is, there is this, there is this, and are you contributing? Are you giving? And not just of your finances, but of your time. Are you, are you looking forward to Christ's return? Are you looking forward to fellowship? Are you looking forward to, to just living out? Are you excited for the day that has been given to you to accomplish what the Father has placed before you? To utilize the gifts that He's given you to be disciple, to have a passion for the nations. That all would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I'm not quite sure if we're hearing and then I'm, no, I'm not quite sure if we're doing. I mean, you know where you're at. You know if he's God or not. And oh, how I pray today that we would awaken. And that if he isn't our God, that we would humble ourselves before him, all of me, God. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that He rose from the dead. And again, that is your foundation and I keep encouraging you, when you say that, do you truly understand what that means? And Jesus Himself, consider the cost. It's going to cost you everything. Jesus Himself, He's quite, He doesn't hold anything back. If you look back, you're not fit for My kingdom. And a lot of us, we don't have our eyes on Jesus. We have our eyes on us and our past. 
Me, myself, and I, we can't even make healthy decisions to honor Christ because we're so stuck in the past, but yet we'll call ourselves Christians. And do we not understand the level of warfare that the tactics of the enemy to keep people bound in hell? Like the Christian life isn't an easy life. I think come to Christ in an easy manner. No one should. <laughs> no, you see yourself truly who you are. Well, I'm not a bad person. Yes, you are. You're a sinner. You're in rebellion towards a holy God. And until you see that, how can you see Him? But the Word is telling us. For if you listen to the Word and don't obey it, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, forget what you look like. Don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. And last week, the word of God called us a liar. Remember the scripture from last week. If you claim that you're in Christ, and yet you're not living as such, you're a liar. There's no truth in you. This is the word of God. I mean, I was thinking about it, but just the level of warfare that's going on. But even the Word of God tells us the demons tremble at the Word. Do you tremble at the truth that is laid bare before you? And how are you responding to it? If it doesn't bring you down further, something's wrong. That's why I keep trying to tell us something is wrong with your Christianity. In a day and age where there's such, you know, there's so much going on, quote unquote, in the church. And we understand the wheat and the tares, they're going to grow together. Not everyone in the church is saved. I get that. But still, there should be a standard of righteousness that those who aren't saved should feel uncomfortable. They should be fearful that they're going to be found out and called out. I mean, we've got to stop playing games. We've got to stop playing games. I mean, people are dying and going to hell. I mean, just think of the shooting that took place yesterday in Texas. Families are just out at the mall. And just being plowed down. Thank God the cop had his gun there in the gun-free zone. By accident, he just happened to be there. Just strolling through. <laughs> if he wasn't there, I mean, you see all this chaos going on. The level of perversion, how they're coming. Oh, they're coming for our children. Yes. There's no doubt any longer about it. They're out for the innocence of the youth to destroy them so that they will not fully understand whom they were created for. It's an all-out war. 
We think we just want to hold a form of religion and somehow we're pleasing God. Oh, we better wake up. Go to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Verse 15. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 15. Work hard. Who? You. Remember, application to apply, sustained effort. It's hard work. Again, the Christian life isn't some kumbaya life. Poof, you're a Christian. Poof, you're a Christian. Poof, you're a Christian. No. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross and follow him. Work hard so you can present yourself to who? God. And receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. Like you're not living ashamed. You're not bound by shame and guilt and condemnation. If you're truly a Christian, you're you're not bound any longer. But why we, as quote unquote, I use the term lightly, Christians, continue to just go live in utter darkness. We just keep yoking ourselves. We just keep going with our emotions. We we think it's okay to claim His kingdom and still be part of this world, and that's not how it works. Well, you don't know my life. You don't know my decisions I have to make. I don't need to know your life. I don't need to know your decisions. You need to know God. The one who sent forth his son to pay for your sins. You're out there choosing and choosing and doing and doing and somehow you want God's blessing upon it. I'm a Christian. My mama was a Christian. My grandpa, my grandmama was a Christian. But what does that do for you? What does that do for you? You're living in sin. And yet you're comfortable that you're saying you're a Christian, like sin is mastering you, and somehow you say, well, I'm a Christian. No, no, you're not. Sin is not to be your master any longer. You're to be a slave to righteousness, to right living, to right living, to right decisions, honoring God. And all that you say and do, well, that's such a hard lesson. Well, then you're just like the thousands who walked away from them. Because they said the same thing when Jesus brought it down opened it up and said, listen, this is truly who I am. They were like, this is a hard teaching. What is he saying? And they turned and they went back. Jesus looked at the 12. You going too? Where can we go, Lord? You hold the words to eternal life. I was reading through scripture this week. I was thinking upon Judas. <laughs> and I was like, Lord, the devil entered Judas 
before the Last Supper. I said, well, look at that. Devil's sitting right there at that table. Taking communion. Jesus turned and said, do what you got to do. Come on, we got to stop making Jesus this weak-willed, wimpy man. I don't know how you see him, but he's God. And Judas was always purposed for Satan to enter. Take that to bed tonight. That upsets people. He's God, you all. He's God, you all. And we're playing games. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. But you're shacking up. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. But you're gossiping. You're backbiting. You're a liar. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. But you're bound by lust and every, every other desire that comes your way. You're here today, you're gone tomorrow. I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, but you're not even in fellowship. I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, and you don't even know the Word of God. I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. How can we keep saying it? If it's really not our reality. I'm a Christian, I can pray for hours. Who cares? So can the devil. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I know scripture. So does the devil. I'm a Christian. I can, I'm a Christian. Look how anointing I'm in. I am. Look at all that I can do. So what? Demons can do the same. I mean, come on. Well, then what's the true mark of a Christian? Jesus. Jesus. His life. His death, his resurrection, his hope of his the hope of his return, living an obedient life. How? By the Spirit of God, because once you receive Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit. That's the mark of a believer. And you're not continuing to live a life that grieves the Holy Spirit. That's not your natural instinct any longer to remain his enemy. Well, is it really going to hurt? If you even have to ask yourself that, don't do it. Well, did he really say, don't do it? Well, everyone else is doing it. So what? (laughs) I was thinking this week, I said, Lord, if our loved ones who are in hell, and yes, we have loved ones in hell, If our loved ones and our friends and our so-called homies who are in hell could speak to us, oh, they would. They would. I know we all like to think everyone's in heaven and we're all going to run to them when we enter in. But I'm telling you now, not everyone's there. Not everyone is there. And you say, ah, no, I believe. Well, you can believe all you want. But you're creating something that is not true. Well, can I just hope? Well, you can hope all you want. 
But the reality is not everyone is in heaven. We have loved ones. We have friends, acquaintances, people we love and care about in hell. Tormented for all eternity. And if they could speak to us, they would go to Luke 16, carry those aren't in the notes, so if you'll put Luke 16. Jesus told a parable. <coughs> Giving us insight into hell and people in hell. Luke 16. The parable of the rich man and Lazarus. These are Jesus' words. And then as you hear this, like you really need to ask yourself. Chapter 16, verse 19 through 31. Jesus said, who said it? Jesus There was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen, who lived each day in luxury. At his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, who was covered with sores. As Lazarus lay there longing for scraps from the rich man's table, the dogs would come and lick his open sores. Get this picture that Jesus is presenting. (laughs) This rich man, this wealthy man, this man uh, is used to luxury and, and, you know, he was probably, quote unquote, a good man. (laughs) (laughs) Seeing in and of himself, he had no issues. Just enjoying life. Then we have this other man. Longing for scraps. For substance. For provision. And the only thing that was comforting him were these dogs who would come and lick his open sores. Finally the poor man died. Carried and was carried by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. And his soul went to the place of the dead. There in torment, highlight that, circle that. There in torment, he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I am in anguish in these flames. Oh, if your dead relatives who are in hell, your friends, your so-called loved ones could speak, they would let you know that they are in anguish. They are tormented. But Abraham said to him, Son, remember that during your lifetime you had everything you wanted and Lazarus had nothing. So now he is here being comforted and you are in anguish. 
And besides, there is a great chasm separating us. No one can ever cross over to you from here, and no one can cross over to us from there. Then the rich man said, Please, Father Abraham, at least send him to my father's home. Well, if I can't have any comfort in hell and in this place of torment, then send him back. For I have five brothers and I want him to warn them so they don't end up in this place of torment. But Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them. Your brothers can read what they wrote. (laughs) The rich man replied, No, Father Abraham, but if someone is sent to them from the dead, then they will repent of their sins and turn to God. Now hear that. If someone was to be raised from the dead, surely that would impact their life. And they will, look, turn from their sins. They will repent of their sins and turn to God. But Abraham said, if they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't listen to even if someone rises from the dead. These are Jesus' words. People are hardened. People don't want to hear truth. They want to keep living for themselves and doing it how they want it. They want to dismiss God. And do you know God is speaking ever so clearly in the midst of all this chaotic world? I can't tell you how many people I sit down with. And God himself, because it's not by coincidence, it's not by chance, it's not by anything mystical. No, God himself speaks reveals himself to them and they're moved for a moment but then they they drift right back from him. And they go, God, like Jesus, do you hunger for God? Are 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 you comforting others with God's truth? Are you raising up the youth? Equipping them and preparing them. And not depending on the church to do it. But are we preparing our homes to be the sanctuary of the living God? Are we encountering them and Him with them, the youth, so that they know that He is God? And that they see a difference in a light that has been transformed. So they know the difference between just having a form of religion and knowing truly having an intimate relationship with them. These are Jesus' words. I go, God, do you realize in hell there's no end? It's constant. It's constant. It's constant for all eternity. Having a knowledge of God. Present before you. For all eternity. And knowing. And knowing. That you denied him. 
when giving the right, given the opportunity to know Him. Like for all eternity. And then we're so quick to sin. We're so quick to rebel against Him. We're so quick to allow sin to master us. We're so quick to give in to the, to the flesh and to the wants and to the needs. I have time. Jesus isn't coming anytime soon, so I'll just keep living how I want. I'll get there. Don't worry about me, brothers and sisters. I'm going to get there, but right now I'm going to have to do me. You don't, again, I love when I hear people say, well, you don't know my situation. If I chose Christ right now, no, my life would be turned upside down. I wouldn't even know which way to go. I just can't right now. Well, when will it be convenient for you? Because the world's getting crazier and darker. It's more stressful. And what you're dependent upon is what's going to carry you straight to hell. And then what? And then for eternity, for eternity, in anguish and torment, you're going to recall and reflect on all the opportunities you had to bow your knee to a holy God. And you say, well, I don't like to hear the message of hell. Well, you don't like to hear the message of Christ. He came to deliver us. He came to set us free. He's the all-powerful King of kings and Lord of lords. He's the risen Son of God, seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And this is the message that we have to share, first and foremost with ourselves and then with others. I keep telling you, you keep going back to what's behind you. You have to keep looking at the empty tomb and the, and the, and the bloody cross and say, ah, it wasn't enough. Keep going back to your old ways. Well, you don't know. It just, it just happened. No, it didn't happen. You chose to. And in that moment, you chose to make that decision. You said he wasn't enough. Well, those words, they just come natural. no. You're not to be moving in your natural self any longer. And you ought ought not to feel comfortable to justify why you keep doing what you're doing. Not if you're calling yourself a Christian. Well, then what do I do when when it comes out? Repent. Well, I did it a hundred times. Why are you doing it a hundred times? I can tell you why, because your repentance meant nothing to you. Until you truly have a godly sorrow. Like, oh God. Like sin is nothing to to treat lightly. As if it's nothing. It is a killer. It destroys. And God hates it. And God hates it. Go to chapter chapter 17 of Luke. Again, Carrie, these aren't in the notes. 
But chapter 17, verse 20 through 37. One day the Pharisees asked Jesus, When will the kingdom of God come? Jesus replied, The kingdom of God can't be be detected by visible signs. You won't be able to say, Here it is, or it's over there, for the kingdom of God is already among you. Then he said to his disciples, The time is coming when you will long to see the day when the Son of Man returns. But you won't see it. People will tell you, Look, there is the Son of Man, or here he is, but don't go out and follow them. For as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other, so it will be on the day when the Son of Man comes. But first, the Son of Man must suffer terribly and be rejected by this generation. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in the Noah's days. In those days, the people enjoyed banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. And the flood came and destroyed them all. And the world will be as it was in the days of Lot. People went about their daily business, eating and drinking, buying, selling, farming and building until the morning Lot left Sodom. Then fire and burning sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. Yes, it will be business as usual right up to the day when the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, a person out on the deck of the roof must not go down into the house to pack. A person out in the field must not return home. Remember what happened to Lot's wife. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. And if you let your life go, you will save it. That night, two people will be asleep in one bed. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding flour together at the meal. One will be taken, the other left. Where will this happen, Lord? The disciples asked, and Jesus replied, Just as the gathering of vultures show there's a carcass nearby, so these signs indicate the end is near. The end is near. Like I don't know what else needs to awaken us or to shake us to our very core. But the signs are among us. The signs are evident. And I'm not saying he's returning tomorrow, because no one knows the day and the hour. Oh, but the generations are getting more vile and more wicked. More vile and more wicked. Jesus is returning you all. Jesus is returning you all. And how is he going to find us? I mean, that's the reality. That's the reality. Are we the people of God doing the will of God for the glory of God? It's how we should be found. We're not to be a people just holding a form of religion. Well, I tried, Jesus. I tried my hardest to be good. Oh, you're a sinner. You're, you're, you're his enemy. And you think you manipulating him? God Almighty. I try. I tried to do right. That's the problem. You don't even know the gospel because you keep trying. Like we gotta wake up. We really, we really gotta wake up and stop the games and stop the lies and lying and deception and manipulating. 
well, I just can't make the right decision. Because you don't want to. You don't want to. Again, it's not easy to live for Jesus. There ought to be a struggle within you. But it should give way to victory. You don't struggle your whole life. Well, it's been 10 years I've struggled. I'm going to get free one day. No, Jesus is risen. Amen. If you're not walking in the fullness of his freedom, that's your choice. Well, I can't be perfect. No, but he is. And if you sin, remember your advocate. So that sin doesn't keep defining your life. You're to make good decisions now. Your decisions is to be Christ-honoring. And they're hard. Because again, you have the old woman, you have the old man, you have that old nature who is at war with his kingdom still within you. But praise be to God, if you're truly a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit in you. And though Galatians tell us the flesh and the spirit, they war against each other, Galatians also exposes the fruit of both. So go look at Galatians 5. See what is controlling you. And if you are controlled still by that old nature, you ought to repent. You ought to get on your knees and on your face and cry out to a holy God that you would not experience His wrath. That you would be embraced by His love. Because He's a good God, you all. He's a consuming fire. He's a jealous God, but He's slow to anger. He's merciful. He's mighty. He's omnipotent. He's sovereign. He's holy. And in every generation, that's what he calls out. His people. Out from among them. Come out from among them. Stop living like them. I am your God. You are my people. Live for me, honor me, love me. In this world, you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. I've already overcame the world. When they persecute you, consider it joy. It's opposite day. I keep telling you all that. It's opposite day every day. The kingdom of God is opposite from the kingdom of this world. Oh, but I just got to have more. I just, just want to fit in. I just, I just want to be liked. I just want to... Well, then you want eternal damnation for the rest of your eternity. That is your choice. Do you realize there's going to come a time? I keep telling you, we can't keep doing church the way we've done church. Christians, the true faith of Christians on this earth are being pushed out. We're the problem. Because we're that standard of righteousness that no one else wants to live by. And that's their choice. We don't hate them. 
No, we go as our Father went. And we humble ourselves. And we love them and we serve them and we give them the great news of the one who came. But oh, how they should see his mark upon our life of a transformed life. An ongoing process of sanctification. Because it's all for him, you all. Like, I don't know if you love Jesus. But that's what I've been praying, not just for myself, but for all of us, that our love for Jesus would just increase. that we would just stop all of the foolishness and realize the end is near. The end is near. Like, I don't know if you have your head in the sand or if you're hiding under a rock. But the next months, years ahead of us, oh, you think what we've gone through is something. <laughs> What's coming Because the level of warfare and the realm in which you cannot see is increasing. Doctrines of demons are being taught and people are, are, are falling for it. Satan and his, his legion of demons are controlling and manipulating governments, families, everything. And you think you're just going to get up? You're like, oh, I'm going to live however I want. Okay, I love Jesus. I'll do my little devotion. And it not mean anything? Like, do you understand? If your eyes have been opened, you see. And there is an awakening taking place. I keep telling you this the spiritual awakening that's taking place. People are coming to Christ. People are hungry for the things of God. And you all should be out there having spiritual conversations and your lives are to back up what you're sharing. Not sharing and then people look at your lives and you're no different. You're living in chaos. But let me tell you about Jesus. As I keep making poor decisions, as I keep turning my kids over to hell, let me tell you about Jesus. Oh, come on. Gotta wake up. The war for the souls of mankind is intensifying. And you were purposed in this generation to be a standard of righteousness raised up and saying, not on my watch. I don't know when's the last time you stood up and prayed for your family, for your office, for your communities, for the nations. I don't know where you're at. Well, I pray for my rent to be paid. Well, for God's sakes, come on. And yes, that's a valid prayer, but if that's just at the, the level that we're sticking at for years, something's wrong. The devil don't mind paying your rent. As long as he can keep you bound. 
You say, how do I know if it's God that's moved upon my life? Have you grown closer to him? And did it stick? I mean, this is the reality. God is moving. God's plan, God's purpose, everything that he spoke is coming to pass. With or without you. It's coming to pass. And oh, how I pray that we find ourselves standing before him, hearing, well done, my good and faithful servant. You clung to me. You didn't retreat or turn back. Enter in, enter in for all eternity. And not here, depart from me. You work of iniquity, you who are still mastered by sin. I don't know you. Oh, but Jesus, but you, did I do this, did I do that? But I don't know you. You did all of that. And I don't know you. This is the reality. People are dropping dead like flies. And do you realize the millions and millions of people who have died over the past just three years? The level of death that has taken place over the earth just in the past three years alone is catastrophic. Unlike anything the world has seen. And we just want to keep playing games. Come to church when it's convenient. Do I just do me. I just want it about me. It just needs to be easy for me and my schedule. <laughs> I mean, you can't make it up. The level of warfare. And no one is wanting to be discipled. It's not a, a greater hunger for the things of God. That just goes to show you it's the end times. Because even God himself said what it's going to be like. It's going to be a great departure. The road is narrow, you all. It's a narrow road. And we just want to keep tapping people on the back. Well, hopefully, you know, just, just turn to Jesus. And yet we're not really giving them the gospel. We're not really loving them as we ought to by sharing with them. And we ought not to be continue to go along with them. Because that's not what Christians do. The attributes of God. I've shared these with you and we've got just a few more. But it's a tool in which I prayed as, as I presented these to you. So that you would know your God. That you would be able to stand that you would be able to, 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 to declare the truth of God and know Him. And as you know Him, you will live for Him. And I've told you, if He's not a great God, then you're serving a lesser God, which isn't God at all. So do you know Him? We've heard God is infinite. He is self-existing without origin. God is immutable. He never changes. God is self-sufficient. He has no needs. God is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. God is omniscient. He is all-knowing. God is omnipresent. He is always everywhere. God is wise. He is full of perfect, unchanging wisdom. 
God is faithful. He's infinitely, unchangingly true. God is good. He is infinitely, unchangingly kind and full of goodwill. God is just. He is infinitely, unchangeably right and perfect in all he does. God is merciful. He is infinitely, unchangeably compassionate and kind. And this week, God is gracious. God is infinitely inclined to spare the guilty. Oh, that you would go and meditate upon that. Oh, that you would seek to be discipled in the knowledge and in the understanding of this attribute of God. And how do I apply this to my life to be able to stand behind enemy lines? The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and great and loving kindness. Psalm 145, verse 8. If mercy is not getting what we deserve, damnation, grace is getting what we don't deserve, eternal life. As mercy is God's goodness confronting human misery and guilt, Tozer writes, so grace is his goodness directed toward human debt and demerit. It is by his grace that God imputes merit where none previously existed and declares no debt to be where one had been before, because grace is a part of who God is and not just an action he bestows. It means we can trust that grace is eternal. His grace is something we do not earn or lose. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is a gift from God. His grace is also sovereign. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious Exodus 33, verse 19. When talking about the grace of God, theologians will often differentiate between God's common, common grace and his saving grace. Christianity Today writer Patrick Moblog writes this about the difference. His common grace is a gift to all mankind. It is the reason that everyone, Christians or non-Christians, enjoy the blessings of life, provision, and abundance. Yes. Matthew 5, 45 tells us, For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust. While all humanity benefits from common grace, only those, only those who profess, believe, and put their faith in Christ receive saving grace. Yes. This is what results in our sanctification and our glorification of God that we might live for Him and enjoy Him for all eternity. Listen, you all. To know your God. To love your God. Like, again, apart from Christ, you are His enemy. You have every right to remain his enemy. He's giving you that choice. Common grace is upon you. You can succeed in this world. Have all that you want. But in the end, that's all you've lived for. Is the temporalness of this life. And trust me, I understood the temporalness of this life. But when your eyes are open to saving grace, that the punishment in which you deserve because you were his enemy, he took for you that you might live. 
with Him for eternity. No greater love will do that for you. Love that Christ displayed on the cross. And God is pleased for you to hear yet the message again and again and again and again because He's a just God. Because when you stand before Him, what did you do with Jesus? What have you done with the saving knowledge that you deserved wrath, damnation, but Jesus cleared the charges and said, no, they're innocent by my blood. I paid for them. That is no longer them. They, They are no longer identified that way. They are my redeemed people, my children, And you don't wait on the other side of heaven to celebrate that and to worship Him. No, you do it here and now. Oh God, but if it not for Christ, where would I be? But all because of Jesus. Ah, God. I've been engrafted into your kingdom. I've been given the right to call you Abba, to call you Daddy. That my roots are down deep and I can stand with the assurance that I am saved and sealed by the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. Yes. But I know that in this life, all, everything is going to war against that knowledge. But I thank you, sovereign God, that you've given me the mind of Christ. Come on, I don't know how you're talking to yourself, but you better start engaging in this war. Or you will end up in hell for all eternity. And for what hope? Because your temporal needs are met. You're putting your hope in the wrong things, in the wrong places, in the wrong people. But you just come out from among them and be saved. That's the message for today. We're not going to walk through our scriptures Listen, you all. This is the message. This is the message that I pray I've been praying for us. Because listen, enough's enough. Enough's enough. You want to go do and live however you want? That's so totally fine. But oh, how I pray that you would know your God. That you would love your God. There is a way in which we are called to live. And it's as unto Christ and Christ alone. I'm going to close this with this song of worship. And then I'm going to close this in prayer.
I can only imagine 